Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an exciting edition of Training Unleashed. We have an amazing guest, Carly Fiorina, and she is changing the world of leadership and management, which I think is one of the most exciting things in the world. She has a company, Carly Fiorina Enterprises. We'll talk more about that later. Um, I want to take a moment here and thank the C-Suite, C-Suite TV and radio for being a great sponsor and support of the show. Um, Carly, I'm so happy to have you here because everybody in training knows that it's senior management that makes all the difference for effective training in companies because when senior management buys in, and makes it clear to people that training is important. It makes all the difference in the world. And I just love to know from your perspective as a CEO of a top 20 company uh, in the United States, how do you look at training? How do you view training? Well, first, Evan, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. You know, let me back up from training and start with the people who are being trained. The truth is that most companies will say platitudes like people are our greatest asset, but they don't really act that way. The truth is people are the business. People are the business. You know, people think business, well, it's products, it's profits, it's manufacturing. Yes. And people do all those things. So I think of the people in a business, whether it's a giant business or a tiny business, as literally what makes it go. And so if people are the business, then you must invest in those people because they make things go. And the way you invest in people is you develop them, you train them, you empower them, you encourage them, you challenge them, you hold them accountable, you give them real responsibilities. That's how people perform at their best. And so if you believe people are the business and they are, then you have to invest. And that starts with training. Um, you are not going to have a person on this podcast that's listening to you that disagrees with you. Um, I know from your book that culture is like one of the most important things uh, for a successful company. 
and maybe talk about how companies create a culture of, of training and development. Yeah. So culture is one of those words in business that sometimes gets uh, downplayed a little bit. You'll hear people say, well, yeah, culture, it's important, but it's the soft stuff. Uh, in my experience, soft stuff is a dismissive term. Culture is the hardest stuff of all. It is the most difficult stuff to change. It is also the software of a company. It's the software of any team. And so just like a piece of technology, if the software doesn't work, the machinery isn't going to work. And that's true for teams and organizations as well. Companies need to start honestly, by figuring out what their culture is. And it isn't the platitudes on the wall. It's not the code of conduct. It's not the statement of ethics. It's not the aspirational mission statement. I mean, maybe it is all those things, but actually culture is reflected in how people answer a really basic question. What's it like to work around here? That's the culture of a team. It's the water the fish swims in, the air we breathe. And so often a culture is counterproductive to what people are trying to accomplish. And sometimes a culture can accelerate what people are trying to accomplish. Software can uh, encourage collaboration it can encourage empowerment of people. It can encourage the development of new skills. It can encourage people uh, taking on additional responsibilities. All of those things in a culture will add to an environment in which people say, I want to go to training. It's not a waste of my time. It's not a distraction from my main job. My opportunity to invest in myself or the organization's opportunity to invest in me is the most important thing we do around here. So I know, and I'm going to say this clearly, I know not just from your book, my neighbor and very close friend worked for your company when you were there and um, described your leadership as innovative. And I know that you made major changes in the company and you, you know, reduced the number of divisions down greatly and you made all of these shifts, which had to be traumatic. Yet at the same time, from everything I can tell, the impact on the company was very positive. And I, you know, this is a simple question for me to ask, but how did, how did you do that from a cultural perspective without causing the, and maybe there were rifts that I'm unaware of, but uh, you know, how did you make that happen and how did training play a part in, in getting the organization to embrace? You know, one of the things that I've learned through experience and I learned before I came to HP is that people in an organization know what's going on. They know what the problems are. They know what the potential is. They actually know what needs to get done they're rarely given an opportunity to make it happen or to say what needs to get done. When I arrived at HP, if you'll forgive a bit of a story, when I arrived at HP and everyone was talking about a transformational leader and we need change, and yes, the company was in real trouble in very serious ways, I purposefully came in alone. 
I brought no one with me. And I did that very deliberately because I said to the organization, you know what we need to do. You know what's wrong. You know where we're falling short. And so for me, the issue was not to give them the answer. The issue was to unlock and unleash their potential, their ability to identify problems, to identify solutions, and to move the organization forward. And so very specifically on the issue of culture, we started by asking employees, what's it like to work around here? And we got a lot of answers. And then we asked them, what do you want it to be like? And guess what? The cultures that people aspire to are usually productive, high-performing, collaborative, ethical, empowering organizations. And so the point is the answers were there all along. As a leader, I was catalyzing people to do what they needed to do, not telling them from on high, now hear this, this is the change we're going to make. And so they owned it, literally. You know, it's kind of interesting because I just got off a, a meeting with a company that had all new management. Like no one in senior management had been there longer than two years. And I thought, what a statement that made. And not, not you know, and, and there can be reasons. So I'm not trying to put that down, but coming in by yourself was a huge statement of, of the organization. I also want our listeners and TV watchers to know, uh, I just completed your online training program. And you talk about listening and empathy and how to discover what's happening in an organization and how to empower people to share ideas in a, in a really beautiful way. I thought your online training did, a, did an amazing job bringing that really through the organization. Thank you. But, you know, I, I'll just say that... Um... I learned this honestly when I started in business. You know, I started out as a secretary, and when I finally landed in corporate America, you know, I didn't know what management or leadership was, but what I figured out was there were people all around me who understood what the problems were, but had never been given a chance to solve them who wanted things to be better, but didn't think they were empowered to do so. And so a lot of what I have put into my online training and the uh, advice I give to companies and executives, and thank you very much for taking it, is what I've learned, not just as a CEO, but what I've learned from being a secretary all the way to becoming a CEO. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to get into it, but I really think it's worth mentioning. Your book is incredibly inspiring for anybody who thinks that they can't make it to the top because you really started from very humble beginnings and you really started culturally from a point of view of, of a wife being subservient and you grew as a person, you grew as a leader, which tells me that anybody can. So it was really, I thought, inspiring. Uh, well, Thank you. And by the way, anybody can. You know, if there's one thing I want people to take away from an interaction with me or an experience with the training, it's that all of us underestimate ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is filled with more potential than they realize. 
And each of us actually can change the world. It's just we talk ourselves out of our ability to do so, or we don't invest in our ability to do so, or others overlook our ability to do so. Yeah, and I, I think what you just said is, is pervasive in work, uh, that people take people below them for granted, and they don't realize that their job as a manager is to develop talent uh, to, to listen to people and, and to, you know, really create excellence throughout the whole organization. Um, so uh, I, I compliment you on that. I want to shift gears, get a little bit more practical. Um, one of the questions that's always asked of me is, how do I get management to buy into a, to a training initiative? Uh, maybe it's a technical training. Maybe it's personal development training. Maybe it's customer service training. How do you as a CEO look at and evaluate ROI when you're competing against all of these different interests? Because I'm sure with all these different divisions, there's the competition for capital is huge. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, this is all about prioritization. Um, first of all, I think people who are, uh, wanting to sell a training or a development program kind of need to get real. You're not going to be able to come up with an ROI that looks like the ROI you could assign to a capital project. And if you try, it's just going to look fake. <laughs> yeah. So it's a different thing. Nevertheless, you do have to compete for time and expense money uh, and all the rest. And so I think the way to start is to describe the problem you're trying to solve. Training and development is always um, necessary to solve a problem, to advance a goal, to achieve an objective. And so get really clear. This is the problem we're trying to solve. This is the goal we want to achieve, and we cannot achieve it unless we develop these skills. This is the uh, aspiration that we want to achieve. Be very clear about that. Then be equally clear about what's involved in this training. Don't um, make it sound shorter than it is because you think that'll get through easier because there's nothing worse than setting people's expectations in an incorrect way. So set expectations accurately. This is what it takes in terms of time. This is what it costs. This is how many people we think should go through this. And then be equally clear about these are the benefits we believe we will achieve. These are the objectives we think we can further. This is how we are going to, very importantly, measure our success. And so think through what can you measure. If you can't measure ROI explicitly, there are other things you can measure. You can measure, for example, if you're doing customer service training, you can measure whether the time to respond uh, is decreased. You can measure whether customer satisfaction is increased. You can measure whether employee loyalty goes up. There are things you can measure, figure out what they are, and then measure them. I love what you have to say here. And just to recap, and I do this with all my guests, not just you, is that they really need to be tying the training and development to the company's goals, the company's culture. They need to be clear that they shouldn't play small. 
they should play appropriately or play big to accomplish. And they need to look at the KPIs, the key indicators that the company's looking to improve and to measure them to, to validate, not in an ROI point of view, but an effectiveness point of view, what they're training accomplished. That's right. Yeah. Exactly right. Tortle Training's Learning Matter experts are passionate about designing effective solutions that move the needle. Whether your organization needs development of e-learning courses, instructor-led training, or assistance with creating optimized electronic versions of employee handbooks, our team can help. To learn more, visit tortle.com slash learning dash development. Okay, fun question. Can you share with us some training initiative or something that you did? It doesn't have to be at AP. And you, you know, I know, I'm sure you probably get everyone asks you about HP, but you know, you were loose in AT&T and all these other companies, but that was like different or unusual. That was obviously also effective. Uh, yes. Um, one of the things in Carly Fiorina Enterprises that we uh, do through our Unlocking Potential Foundation is to provide leadership development to nonprofits. And if you think it's hard to get training programs through in the corporate world, it's, or in the business world, the profit world, it's very hard to get them through in the nonprofit world because resources are so scarce. And so we um, have a set of programs developed specifically for the nonprofit world. One of those uh, was for an Easter Seals organization. And in that particular case, we literally brought together the entire organization at one time, from the CEO to the van driver who brought disabled children and adults to the classroom every day, and everyone in between. The organization had never been brought together in that way. We had teachers, we had fundraisers, we had the CEO, we had the van drivers, we had you know, the CIO, we had everybody together. And together, they worked on the goals that they thought were most important. And together, we developed problem-solving skills for each and every one of those people, regardless of the job they were in. Because here's the thing, the context for the van driver was different than the context for the CEO. The problems the van driver encountered were different than the problems the CEO encountered. But problem solving is always the same. It takes the same fundamental characteristics and qualities, just as leadership is always the same. It doesn't matter what the context is. And I've learned that through experience as well. And so that was a really different kind of experience for them. I have done that subsequently with other groups. And it was an incredibly productive experience for them because on top of learning new skills, they got to know each other better and they got to understand each other's jobs better, which always brings a team together. I love that example. And uh, doing that in the nonprofit world, I think, is a, is a great gift. And as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm realizing, um, you know, you're one of the few CEOs that really has devoted their life and career now into training and development of people and the things that you're doing. And it's got to make everyone listening to the show feel really good that it's that to realize how important what we all do in our day in our daily lives and the impact that it can have 
you know, if I could just say, Evan, um, human potential is the only limitless resource we have. Money is limited. Time is limited. Resources of all kinds are limited except one, human potential. And human potential, if it's unleashed, if it's unlocked, if it's leveraged, can literally do anything, solve any problem, achieve any goal. And so the reason I devote my life to this, the reason I spent so much time as a CEO investing in people is because human potential is the most valuable resource we have. And it is also limitless, but it's only limitless if we invest in it and hone it and develop it and then leverage it. And I would say unleash it. Yes, (laughs) To go with the the name of the show. Uh, You know, as I sit here and I listen to everything that you're saying, it's also not just what it does for the companies, what it also does for the people. And because when you're teaching leadership, when you're developing people, it's not just what they do in their work that gets infected, it affects their entire life. And if you can help someone see that they are unlimited in their potential, what a gift that is. Well, exactly. And, and um, my latest book, I think the one you referenced, you read, Find Your Way, it's really, that book is really talking to people, not just in their work world, but in their real world, yeah. <laughs> in their personal world, in the rest of their world to say, because guess what? We all face problems. Leadership is very different from management. A leader's purpose is to solve problems. A leader's purpose is to change the order of things for the better. A leader's purpose is to challenge the way things are. Well, guess what? In our work lives or in our personal lives, we all face problems. We all need to change things for the better. We all need to change our world. And so um, it's all the same. Leadership unlocking, unleashing your potential, focusing your energies on solving problems instead of running away from them. Yes, you're exactly right. That helps not just in work, that helps in life. Yeah. You brought up something subtly I want to hone in on because I I think this is really important. Could you talk about the difference between leadership and management? Because I think they are very different and I think most people think of them as as being synonymous. Yes. First, there's nothing wrong with management, let me quickly say. (laughs) Yeah, needed. Um, It's needed. But managers do the best they can with the way things are. A manager may produce really excellent results, but they accept the way things are. They operate within the constraints and conditions and the context in which they find themselves. Leaders change the way things are. Leaders change the order of things for the better. And you have to ask yourself, why is it in organizations that problems fester all the time? It's not because people don't know what the problems are. It's because they're not willing to change things, to challenge the status quo in order to solve those problems. And so it takes leaders and leadership to challenge the way things are, to solve the problems, to achieve the goals. The other thing that's critically important that's different 
managers accept the way things are, leaders change the way things are. Managers are generally, uh, management is associated with a certain kind of title and position, right? You're a manager if you have people reporting to you. You're a manager if you have a certain scope of responsibility. Leadership has nothing to do with position or title. I mean, you might have a big title, but you might not be leading. And you might have no title at all, but you might be leading every day. Leadership is about changing things for the better. Leadership is about solving problems. And so anyone can lead, but not everyone is a manager. I like that. What do you think is a skill easier to teach? How to be an effective manager or how to be an effective leader? <laughs> uh, well, in some ways, I think there are aspects of effective management that are all about leadership. And there are other aspects that are different. Let me start with what's the same. In order to be an effective manager and in order to be an effective leader, you must build effective teams. In order to build effective teams, you have to create opportunities for collaboration. In order to create opportunities for collaboration, you have to teach people and also learn yourself, how do I listen? How do I ask open-ended questions so that I learn more? So in other words, I think the aspects of management and leadership that are frequently the same are all about how do you unleash talent in people? How do you hold people accountable? How do you ask people to aspire for more? The things that are different are frequently uh, very specific skills-based training. So for example, if you are a manager in the finance department, there are specific skills that you need to learn in order to be an effective manager in the finance department. If you are in sales, there are very specific skills that you need to be trained on in order to be an effective sales manager or salesperson. And there, I think it's a bit different. In my experience, the most difficult thing about unleashing potential for leadership is to get people to actually internalize, I can lead. Mm. Regardless of my title, I can lead. I can solve this problem. I can make a difference. I can change things for the better. And one of the hardest things for people to step up to in order to internalize that is the courage it takes to challenge the way things are. People don't like to challenge the way things are. The truth is we are all comfortable in the status quo, whatever it is. We may not like it. We may think it's unsatisfying. We may bitch about it at the water cooler, but most people will settle in to the status quo and be comfortable there. And so part of accepting that I can change things for the better, I can solve problems, is to say, you know what, I'm going to have the courage to step out and challenge the status quo. And that's really, really hard. You have mentioned this now about three or four times, the importance to challenge, not to accept, to, to lift up the organization, because the people in the organization see the issues, see the problems. The question I get when I have this discussion a lot is what if my management isn't receptive? Yeah. How do you handle that? 
Yeah, it, well, it's a real life question. In fact, I just wrote a LinkedIn newsletter about this a couple weeks ago because someone asked me the question, one of my clients asked me the question, how do I lead up, okay, which is a version of your question. And so I told a story. Here's the story. I was a manager, okay? I was a manager in the engineering department. So this is a long time ago. And, you know, my boss was an okay guy, but he wasn't much interested in me challenging anything. And I went to a subordinate, someone who worked for me, and I said, Jim, tell me about problems you have, problems you see. Well, Jim was a smart engineer and he saw a lot of problems and he had something very specific in mind. And I asked him once he identified this problem, well, what do you think we ought to do about it? And he had a very specific solution. Now, my manager wasn't interested. So Jim and I started doing the work that was necessary to solve the problem. And we did it for quite a while by ourselves until I had results until I could show my boss, this is what solving this problem will do for the organization. This is what solving this problem will do for you. And once my boss could see it, I wasn't just talking about a problem. I wasn't just you know, rattling their cage about challenging the status quo. It wasn't theoretical anymore. It was, here's the problem. Here's what we're doing to fix it. Here are the results. That's how you get people to pay attention you show them the results of problem solving and leadership. I love your answer. Um, I believe in your answer. Um, I would add to this, when you model the behavior yourself, it inspires others, inspires others above you in the organization, inspires others below you in the organization. And you know- Absolutely. Yeah, and you can create change naturally by being effective yourself uh, and, and inspiring others too. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, people get upset <laughs> when they find problems. Ooh, problems are bad. No, problems are opportunities. I know that sounds so corny, but when people ask me, how did you go from secretary to CEO? I solve problems. When you role model problem solving behavior to bridge off your comment, which I thoroughly agree with. When you role model solving problems, when people start seeing things getting better and the results and all of a sudden it's like, wow, we need to do more of this. I want to do this too. It gets real for people. Yeah. You know, interesting to just tell you a little bit about my father. I grew up in a family business and people, customers would complain. And my father loved it. And so most people like, oh my God, someone's upset. What are we going to do? It feels so bad. This is awful. And my father loved it because he said, look at people come in, buy stuff and they expect you to sell it and they expect it to work. The only opportunity you have to prove that you're better than everyone else in the world is how well you deal with that complaint. How fast, how empathetic are you? How much you care? And my, my father, I mean, he, he loved complaints and he loved solving the problem because it was his chance to really make a difference in the relationship with the customer. And that attitude changed everything. Yeah. Uh, Wait, your father was a very wise man. And my guess is that Acorn doesn't fall too far from the tree, but you're exactly right. When you can solve a problem 
for a customer. That customer is loyal for life. I mean, I've yeah. learned that myself over and over again. Solving problems is progress and people like progress. Yeah, no doubt about it. So we've had a great conversation. You're doing amazing things. And I think it's a gift you're giving to the world in terms of consulting and leadership training and developing people because you're making the world better. But I think our guests deserve to know what you're doing and how they could work with you if they were so interested. Well, first, if you want to learn more about the work we do, uh, it's very easy. Come to CarlyFiorina.com or connect with us through our weekly LinkedIn newsletter, which is called Leadership Matters. I give very practical advice every week about how to become a leader, what to do with a problem. Uh, We have online digital curriculum available And I also work with teams of all sizes, organizations of all kinds in both the for-profit and the not-for-profit world. So again, to learn more about it, come to carlyfiorina.com or connect up through LinkedIn. Leadership Matters is the name of the newsletter. Okay. You're stealing the lead of what is your offer and your offer is to connect with with your LinkedIn newsletter. You know, I never knew LinkedIn had newsletters until today. So (laughs) I didn't. Um, so if I wanted to sign up for your newsletter, do I go to your LinkedIn page? How yes. Do I, okay. So I go That's to your LinkedIn. That's exactly what you do. It's very easy. And again, it's called Leadership Matters. And don't feel bad because until I started this newsletter less than a year ago, actually, and uh, we've grown it tremendously, I'm really grateful to all of our uh, audience, but I didn't know about newsletters either. In uh, you know a year ago at this time, I wasn't sure I'd ever heard of a newsletter either. But uh, turns out there are a lot of them out there. Yeah. So we are coming to the end, and as you know, we always end with one question, and that is, if you had one tip, and it could be about anything uh, that you would like to share with our audience, uh, what would that one tip be? Run to the problem. Don't run away from it. Don't avoid it. Run to the problem. That's a great tip. That's a great life lesson. I appreciate it. Uh, Carly, thank you for being a guest. I want to thank all of our listeners. The show would not be here without you. I really deeply appreciate you. I want to thank our sponsor, the C-Suite, C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. And again, Carly, thank you so much for being on our show. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's tortal.net, T-O-R-T-A-L, tortal.net. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.